welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 196 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And another episode, this is a couple in a row now, that we've had people I consider to be very dear friends on this podcast. Last week is Mary Davey. And this week, it is the guest who was on what still is my favorite episode ever of Fed Heads. Dan Chenick is here. So I told you not to bring that up, though. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't tell me not to. Both of you, Francis and Robert. Can't it's imagine good. two people I'd rather spend the afternoon with. Yeah. You're so nice. Thanks for being on, Dan. Yeah, Dan Chenick's the executive director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. But what is more important is he was co-chair of a working group that has released a call to action, the federal government's role in building a cybersecurity workforce for the nation uh, through the National Academy of Public Administration. Robert, I know that's an organization that's very important to you. Uh, Dan, I know that cybersecurity and the future of the people who do it for the federal government and across the nation is very important to you. What were you and your colleagues at Napa going for? What did you want to examine or study when you began this work. Welcome, Dan. Uh, thank you, Francis, and, and great to talk to you and Robert. Um, so Congress has been interested in the cybersecurity workforce for a number of years, and this study actually is congressionally chartered. Uh, in the Appropriations Act of last year, the uh, DHS Appropriations Subcommittee directed DHS, and specifically the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Administration, CISA, to contract with NAPA, the National Academy of Public Administration, or a similar third party, and they chose to contract with NAPA, to do a study of how the the DHS cyber workforce programs were executing on their mission um, and uh, how those programs helped to drive a federal cybersecurity workforce uh, strategy in terms of of goals and objectives and, and how they could be improved. Um, the National Academy, when it does studies like this, pulls together a, a panel of fellows. So the fellows of the Academy are, Robert and I are two fellows. There's about almost a thousand uh, government and industry, current and former leaders, um, primarily. Um, and uh, they, the, the panel of fellows oversees the work of the NAPA study team. And so Karen Evans, the former uh, U.S. Chief Information Officer at OMB, the former Chief Information Officer at DHS, among many other uh, titles, uh, and myself uh, in my role both as uh, IBM Center for the Business of Government Chair, but also the former chair of several cyber advisory commissions, and then the, the head of information policy and technology at OMB, uh, having a cyber background, were made the co-chairs of this effort. And then we had a number of other fellows who were on. And the panel basically said, in order to answer the question that Congress asked about DHS's programs, we really need to take a step back and think about all of the different cyber workforce programs that the government has and how they fit together as a mosaic. And could they, in the context of the new White House Cybersecurity Director's Office, the new statutorily mandated cyber director held by Chris Inglis, um, could all of these efforts be um, pulled together, uh, advanced effectively uh, in terms of coordination and, and effectiveness across to address needs of both the federal government and how the federal government drives the nation? And that was the context for the report. How acute is the government's cyber workforce challenge compared to its general workforce challenge? 
Uh, of course, as you know, Robert, having done a lot of work on workforce issues generally, and, and the Academy's done you know, a very renowned uh, study called No Time to Wait, which talked about reform of the federal workforce. So this is in that tradition. The difference with cyber isn't necessarily in degree, although there are uh, studies, various studies that show pro around 500,000 uh, people in the nation in terms of a gap. Um, uh, that could be filled. Uh, there's, but there's a one of the recommendations of the studies. We need more data um, to show that. But also, the nature of the problem is much more uh, rapid, right? So most government missions are sort of long programs that that address issues over periods of years that are really important, foundational to the country. Um, cybersecurity is on the front lines every day. Um, agencies are are dealing with threats, vulnerabilities, incidents on their network, and they need skilled people to be able to respond uh, to those uh, to those conditions. And so the the dearth of a of of a workforce that's skilled at, at the highest level, both in government and also in the organizations that government partners with, um, is acutely felt in agencies when there is when there are cyber incidents, as there are every day. Uh, you and your colleagues write in this work, Dan, developing an effective cyber workforce requires a large and integrated multi-sector effort. What are the sectors that all need to be pulling in the same direction in order to get the workforce where you and your colleagues believe it needs to be? Yeah, so this is the, the a, a great example of the need for a public-private academic partnership because you've got the government agencies who are both performing work and delivering uh, citizen services like Healthcare, education, housing, all those benefits are now delivered through IT systems that are vulnerable to attack and misuse and fraud, um, uh, you know, in terms of intrusion into, into the data on those systems. Um, the systems are executed almost always through contracts with um, industry enterprises that often have uh, systems from other customers outside of government. Um, so they're, they in themselves involve uh, complex networks. Uh, and then in the long term, the, the training of the workforce that serves government and industry comes out of in the in sort of um, immediate uh, entry from colleges and universities and technical programs. But in the long term, the skills that are developed by the K to 12 education system. And you think everybody's on, you know, every kid in school now uses a Chromebook or something similar. We're all on, uh, especially the last few years, this has been massively accelerated in terms of how we use technology to conduct business. But very few people actually think about going through a cybersecurity training exercise in the same way that they might go through driver's education, so they know how to operate a car safely. Um, so there's th the three main sectors are government, industry, and academia. And then around the edges, of course, are all of the partners that work with them, including state and local governments, um, and then the nonprofit sector that often delivers services on behalf of citizens and advocates for citizens receiving services, that sort of thing. Your report talks about overlap and duplication across this cyber domain in government. Is there an opportunity to grant the government some reorganization authority to allow it to rationalize some of these programs? Because as you know, moving other people's cheese is something they might resist. Whereas giving someone the authority to reorganize on their own or under the governance of a commission might make that easier. Yeah, the panel um, felt that it was not yet time to think about reorganization, especially because the new White House office has really just been chartered. 
Um, and the leader of that office is, is staffing up and, uh, and that office has a chance to bring together a lot of the players. And I would say there's the panel found and the study found that there's less duplication and more, there's lots of people doing lots of things that aren't as well coordinated necessarily as they should be. Um, uh, and so there's terrific foundational work being done by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, which has the National Initiative on Cybersecurity Education, the NICE, that's been in that place for over a decade. They've, they've been doing some tremendous work in, in working with universities and, and upgrading um, sort of the technical skill set and understanding of what's needed in the cyber profession. There are programs at uh, the uh, National Science Foundation, the Scholarships for Services Program, the National Security Agency, the Centers for Academic Excellence, uh, DOD has programs, DOL, the Department of Education. So there's all these different agencies that don't necessarily that have programs that are sort of focused on their mission, um, but they aren't necessarily working in in a, a as coordinated a fashion in terms of strategy. Um, many of them come together through organizations like that, which NIST leads. Um, they're not necessarily then focused in terms of a of a White House led strategy that Chris Inglis uh, then has the opportunity to do to drive greater focus on this um, across the government and uh, into academia. You and your colleagues write in this work that the Office of the National Cyber Director should lead the development of that strategy that you're saying the government doesn't have right now. What should comprise that strategy, and should it then be the National Cyber Director's Office that's responsible for executing it too, or does that execution responsibility then diffuse out throughout the government, Dan? Right. So there, there are strategies. Um, as I mentioned, the NICE has a strategy. They're, they, what the panel found in the study team and the research is they're not necessarily adopted across the government as, as a government-wide strategy um, uh, in, in, in a similar fashion across agencies. And so the panel felt that building on that work, um, that developing a new national strategy that, could, that would be led by cyber director um, could elevate and amplify these existing efforts and that that strategy should include uh, things like uh, encouraging uh, people to choose a career in cybersecurity, sort of working with the schools to do that, uh, enabling the types of training to understand sort of where, what are the skills needed to, to enter the workforce from a, both a cyber perspective, but also people in the technology industry who aren't necessarily cyber professionals and then all of us, the people who are cyber users, who need to have basic hygiene education and, and how to do that. Uh, there's a lot of barriers to uh, recruiting talent uh, um, generally, and also in terms of an, of an inclusive and diverse workforce and reaching out to non-traditional populations and helping them find jobs. And then finally assessing performance and uh, understanding sort of what are the data that show whether the system's working and that that should go into the strategy. So those various elements we thought were important for uh, to be considered, and that once a strategy is, in, is developed, the panel found that a governance framework where the cybersecurity director isn't necessarily executing because they're, they're a White House oversight office and um, uh, would, would not necessarily be operational, but the agencies would execute on that strategy in a more consistent manner. So that's where the, the, the drive would come in NIST, in NSF, in NSA. Uh, at, and of course, uh, I should, the last point I should mention is that in DHS, which is what Congress asked originally, where there are a number of programs uh, that are being performed and the panel assessed those and found that those could continue to be executed 
Uh, again, the panel wasn't getting into the issue of where those should be organizationally housed per se in the future, but more how they should be operated and how they should be coordinated across with other government programs. So what's next? You've issued your report. What do you expect to happen with your recommendations? Well, we've come on fed heads. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, that <laughs> settles it. Done. Done. Um, done the, and done. That's right. The the academy had Karen and I have done a number of enabling um, activities since then, um, writing some op eds and doing some other uh, panels and media sessions. And we're meeting with with uh, the administration, with DHS and NIST, um, uh, and helping to. Uh, build support and, act, and for this greater awareness of the need for driving a cyber workforce strategy forward. Um, I'm sure that um, as, as Chris Inglis and his office and Jenner Easterly, the head of, of CISA, um, sort of move forward in their strategy, they're, they're great supporters of workforce enablement and the panel interviewed them and many other leaders across the government. Um, uh, so our hope is that we can uh, support as the government takes up these recommendations and uh, identifies ways to make them happen. Dan, it's great to see you. Thank you for coming on. Karen wanted to join us today. We couldn't make that work, but give her our best. And I will just say, so as not to rub Robert's nose in it, uh, episode 32 is still my all-time favorite episode of Fed Heads, and you were the guest on it, and it's great to see you, my friend. Thank you, Dan. All right. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.